I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. One day in the pub, Seb and Verity were socializing with hilarity. They knew there and then that their options were vast. Seb Philpott. And I'm Verity Simmons and this is Three in a Bar. Yes it is <laughs> and uh, thanks so much uh, for tuning in. Um, we are on episode number 12. Uh, 12. 12 already I know. Oh yeah. right. Yeah. Nice. Isn't episode it? number 12 well that's good and yeah. um, well we've got a um, great guest for you this week. Yes we who have. Who is it? It is. I mean, obviously, you'll know who it is because you because you'll have seen on the description. <laughs> yeah. But just in case you didn't read it and you've just clicked on, it is yeah. journalist and documentary maker and critic and event host and prize judge and copywriter and lecturer Welsh woman Jude Rogers. I'm sorry, yeah. I read that from her her biography and I got to Welsh and I was like, shall I keep that in? But she very much is and she's proud of it. So yes. Yeah, is that her own biography that she's written? It is. It is indeed. It is her own biography. Oh. <laughs> well, well, I'm glad yeah. we read all of those out. I know, uh, quite. She's so interesting. Yeah. yeah, and like she's just interviewed basically everyone, hasn't she? Under the yeah. sun. <laughs> she's interviewed more people than us. Yes, yeah, she has. Yes, yeah, she has. In fact, do you know what? When we invited her on as a guest, I remember thinking, oh, this is brilliant, fantastic. What could possibly go wrong? And then and then thinking about what the repercussions of this were. Um, she's very experienced at journalistic things and uh, perhaps yeah. we're not so much. <laughs> oh, it's all right. But I think I think a lot of this interview was us just asking her how to do it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but she was very nice and accommodating. Yeah, she was. And, um, but yeah, she's, she's really interviewed, I mean, seemingly everyone yeah um some absolute you know legends in the music industry yeah um paul mccartney michael stipe so many yeah um and yes so she talks about uh interviewing those people people that have hung up on her yeah um on the phone and people that she's had bad interviews with and you know it's sort of tarnished her relationship with with Mm. their music yeah um I've, have you ever had any any people that you've met that you've maybe you've said something that's sort of sent you into a bit of a shame well and then you can't listen to their music yeah anymore? i mean 
Yeah, I I met Bjork <laughs> a few years ago, and that. Oh yeah. I mean, come on, let's Have face we it. We talked about that on here. I don't think we did. I think I knew because it was with Kelly last week's guest, Kelly Pratt. Oh, right, yeah, um, it yeah. was at a Father John Misty gig, and uh, and I remember him saying, "Oh, come on, we'll just go and say hello to a few of us there." And you know, <laughs> I'd had a couple of wines. <laughs> I just yeah. don't think that she's like necessarily the easiest person to approach in the best of circumstances. Certainly not when you've had a couple of wines. <laughs> no. Definitely woke Did up the next day. Did she know what was going on? When she, uh, she looked bemused and terrified in equal <laughs> measures. I think she was looking around to check she had her guards there. <laughs> How about you? Okay. Have you met anyone and it's oh, ruined it for you? I was trying to think that, mm, I know I brought it up, but I, I'm sure there are people that I've met I, I just thought of one, but I I can't talk about it. <laughs> I can't talk Can about you mime it, it to me? Because I don't come off well. Oh no! I'm trying to think. You don't come people, off well like, in it, did you say? A band that I've a band that I've played with that n- I can't talk about it. Oh, <laughs> oh no! I really want to know now. But I think it's fine, but it, it's just um, I, I I did some stuff with the band, and um, I now whenever I hear that band. I have an immediate sort of shame regret oh, thing. Oh no. But I'll I'll um I'll tell you it in person. Okay, great. Or maybe I'll talk Can about I guess? it. Can I guess? Is it steps? <laughs> Was it steps? Oh, yeah, you got it straight away. I knew it. <laughs> yeah. I just so embarrassed thinking back to those oh, guys. Oh no. Oh no. <laughs> it's awful, isn't it? But she was great. Yeah. And I found that very heartening, her telling us about, you know, perhaps some less than perfect experiences as well. And uh, yeah. yeah, I've definitely noted down a lot of her tips. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, what the main tips? Well, what, let's not spoil let's it for the not. listeners, shall we? No, There's let's loads of great them. things in this, in this chat. Well, here we go. This is the conversation we had with Jude Rogers. Zoom is you can have a little nose around her house and uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, see that, that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, so um, that's been interesting. I did, um, but it, it's also made me realise how, you know, it's made me appreciate how amazing technology is in, in other ways. Obviously, I moved from living in the middle of London or kind of well, the middle of East London, busy part of London to here and my career could carry on. Um in this time, everybody else has got got used to that. And I've also been doing interviews with people internationally more, which is interesting. I did a piece the other week for The Guardian um, about this brilliant Radio 3 documentary about electronic music in India. And I interviewed yeah. one of the people who'd made some of this music who was in Puerto Rico. And it was just, you know, fire up Zoom. There we are. Your guy in Puerto Rico, he was telling me about the lockdown situation out there. And I thought, this is amazing, you know. Yeah. I wouldn't have used that video conferencing technology before, probably a phone call, but I think the fact that people want to see each other more now, that's making interviewing quite interesting as well. We were wondering about um, when you're interviewing somebody in particular, if you're doing an article on one specific artist, do you usually spend a, a protracted amount of time with them or is it often a one-off and which do you prefer? Oh, that depends on how famous they are generally. <laughs> <I've>, um, <laughs> you know, um I the worst situation is when you're in a room with two or three other people 
you all of 20 minutes and you have to throw questions at somebody. That's only happened to me a couple of times and a long oh. time ago. Um, actually, that wasn't with musicians as well. That was with actors who have a whole, yeah. that's a whole new world. Oh. Um, <laughs> but um, musicians, I like to try and spend time with people. And if it's going to be a big feature, you need a bit of time with them. And their publicists usually want you to be with them in a place for colour, as we say. Um, but I, yeah, I, that's what I really enjoy. But sometimes having the pressure of a of a short window kind of well, it terrifies me still. But um, it make it really focuses yeah. your preparation and what questions you're going to ask and all that kind of stuff. And I've had a couple of twenty minute interviews uh, with pretty famous people. Um, Paul McCartney on the phone, twenty minutes. Oh yeah. my god! Wow. Which was nuts. Oh my god! And you know, trying to get in the new yeah. to Paul McCartney, who's done you know yeah. trillions of interviews. Um, and I had twenty minutes with Michael Stipe, the singer of REM. Um, oh wow! Oh know, my god! Who was my teenage idol? So I was both yeah. kind of you know shaking, trying to be professional while still being this fifteen-year-old girl with a poster <laughs> of him on my school yeah. folder. Um, but that was quite good because I knew his work so well. I could, I was prepared. But, you know, when Paul McCartney's on the phone, you're like, I just wanted to go, oh, it's Paul McCartney on the phone. <laughs> yeah. And was he easy to interview? How was he? Oh, God. Um, <laughs> uh, not really. Um, <laughs> and he was perfectly nice. But, you know, he, some of the questions I asked, he just wasn't answering those questions. He was answering questions that other people had asked him. He did say, I did manage to get him to say something that, I hadn't read before, which I was quite excited about. Um, uh, I'd read um, somewhere that he had been really interested in the BBC's radiophonic workshop in the 60s. And yeah. there was, there'd been rumours fears that he might have done some stuff with them or met some of them. And he told me that he'd met Delia Derbyshire, who famously set the Doctor Who theme to electronics, first of all, to tape, um, yeah. the, 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 yeah. the tape cutting. Um, and he'd... Um, she, had he, She'd been in his, he'd taken her to his shed in his garden, or she'd taken him to the shed in her garden, shown him some equipment or something. And, they were t- and the fact that yesterday, the song Yesterday, he'd originally conceived it as an electronic piece of music, which is oh, really? insane. Oh, wow. So that, I was so, I was there doing that interview and I wanted to go, yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've gotcha. But that was really, yeah, that was, that was a tough, that was a tough one. But, um, is that, is that kind of the aim sometimes when you're interviewing someone like that to always try and get something unique out of them that no one else has before? Is that always like the the, the golden thing you aim for as a journalist? I do, yeah, because I think, you know, what is the point of view as a journalist doing a piece about somebody? Um, there's so much, there's so many features out there yeah. these days which are just the same stuff. And, you know, I, you and I have, we, we have all read the same features about the same people, you know, what we find that's unexpected or different about this particular person that will make you smile, that would surprise you. You know, that's, that's the rule one of feature writing and journalism to me is like get something new and interesting. Um, mm. But what is somebody really well known? That can be really hard. So you just think, okay, let's think about presenting them in a different way or maybe think of them as a human being rather than a pop star. I remember the Paul McCartney piece. I remember finding out how his mum and dad met in an air raid shelter randomly oh. in the early 40s i said you know wow. if they hadn't met that night would the beatles have not yeah. existed you know um i interviewed, Ky- I interviewed kylie minogue and <laughs> uh, the thing that really could have excited me again as somebody who was a big fan as a young child or kind of you know, kind of a tween kind of um that kind of age um 
was that she had relatives in Wales. And um, that's the first thing I asked her. I said, I know this is a bit random to start the interview, but I'm Welsh and I know you've got your mum is Welsh. Um, and she said, yeah, my grandmaster lives in the valleys. And then Kylie was trying to say various things in Welsh to me. And I thought that, and that kind of, that's interesting and different. But also if you bring in that little funny detail, it can open people up and make them yeah. more comfortable or whatever. And yeah. you can yeah, maybe press brilliant. them a bit more. I'm not the kind of interviewer who thinks, right, let's find a pull quote, you know, the kind of that sticks out from the page that's going to make them yeah. look bad or could be misinterpreted by the press. You know, I'm always quite aware yeah. of that. Find something that's charming or heartwarming or uplifting or you know, it can be shocking and surprising, but that the stuff that's a little bit more difficult you've just got to be very careful with I think because yeah. these are people after all <laughs> do you find that um over the years have you found that artists have become more guarded or are they happier to speak about things how's it changed since since you started in journalism well so yeah I started in 2003 which was an interesting time to start because the interhand really had the effect on music journalism yeah. as it has I mean blogs were a relatively new thing back then it was before social media um those glorious days. <laughs> um, yeah. But um, it's interesting. The people who people who sign to major labels um, get a lot of media training and some people get a lot more conscious of saying things that could be misinterpreted. Um, mm. I've done a lot of interviews with musicians for like women's magazines and those are the interviews that are toughest because you can tell the people being interviewed are thinking, right, these things get pounced upon by the tabloids and a line will be yeah. pulled out and thrown on. Um, and, um, yeah, that, that's quite interesting. But then again, so you've definitely got that channel of it. But um, also quite early on when I was first writing features, maybe 2005, 2006, suddenly you had artists like Amy Winehouse coming along, Lily Allen, yeah. who were, you know, yeah. and then Adele shortly after, people who didn't really adhere to that kind of school of media training at all. And um, there's a lot more of those artists have come out. You know, a lot of women have spoke, now speak in a different way. Although, you know, women, again, of course, are careful about what they say in some ways as well. Yeah. But I interviewed um, the musician Nadine Shah recently. Now, she's a great example of somebody oh, who does yeah. not give two hoots and will say <laughs> anything. But... Um, <laughs> But also, you know, I said to her, you know, I find your your music is quite, you know, gothic and atmospheric and there's a lot of mystique about it, but you're not like that at all. And she said, and sometimes I wish I did have a bit more mystique about me because it could protect me a little bit. But I think people yeah. form bonds with artists who have personalities that are more like people you might get on with, go to the pub with, yeah. you know. Absolutely. I think that's a dead success, actually. Mm. Yeah, I bet it makes you want to write a warmer article about them as well. Because if yeah. they're being standoffish, surely you just think, well, oh, you know, yeah. fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've had a few of those, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, do go on. <laughs> <laughs> I did have a write about this. I, I, um, recently, um, Alex Turner from the Arctic Monkeys was very rude to me. Um, on the uh, phone interview, oh. and I haven't been able to listen to them the same since, which is weird. I, if I've had a bad ex bad experience doing an interview with somebody, I just sort of go off them, which is a bit yeah. silly. Um, no. um, I had somebody um, hang up on me the other week, <gasps> but that was no. that was that wasn't my fault, to be fair, and it was not his publicist's fault. Um, right, it was Brandon Flowers from the Killers. He um, no! he had been oh, wrong. No. Oh. He had been wrongly. To be fair, he wasn't mean. He wasn't mean. He'd been wrongly briefed as to what the piece should be, um, and 
he realised mm. quite quickly that what I wanted and what he had prepared were different. And he was he was just quite embarrassed and halfway through, he's like, I can't do this, I'm going. And I'm like, no, it'll be fine. Come back and, and eat. And, and my editor and said, oh, don't worry, just leave it. And so that was, but yeah, that's never happened to me before. Oh. Yeah, I did a piece for The Observer um, in which I interviewed, well, I got together a lot of musicians and I was it was quite hard to organise, but getting people to, to um, make playlists for listeners about different moods that we're feeling in lockdown. So do we need songs that make us feel, need, do we have songs we play because we want to feel more optimistic? Do we want songs that are going to make us dance? Songs that we want mm. to listen to when we're feeling really cheesed off and really want to you know let vent or whatever and yeah he was uh he came in quite he he was asked very early on but came, said yes quite late in the day and we said oh we've, we've done all these but we need one of these two and he his managers i don't think had really followed it so he just oh, done something no. completely different so yeah he <laughs> could have didn't want to look embarrassed in the middle of the whole thing but um it was one of those things but still i was like you know i'm in my office now which is in my, in my house and it was just before tea time and I remember going down to my husband and son for tea and I was like, well, brand of flowers just hung up on me. So there we are, normal day. <laughs> fish, and, fish fingers and chips, you know. Yeah, standard day love. <laughs> Do you ever have um, artists uh, respond to any of your reviews? Have they ever Ooh. given you any feedback, tell you what they think about it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I th- it's funny, for a year, I had a long period of not doing reviews, actually. I um, I used to do them quite regularly for The Guardian and for Word magazine, which is where I started. The magazine's now yeah. long gone, sadly. Um, yeah. But there was about five years when I stopped, and then I was asked to be the Guardian's folk correspondent because I'm so cool. Now, folk music is really cool. Um, <laughs> and um, I started reviewing then, and then I've... The last year or so, I've started doing reviews for Mojo, um, which um, I haven't yeah. done for years. And it is, it's is—it's weird because, I don't know, the older I get, the more I think about the musicians and the amount of time and work they've put into making this record. My husband yeah. has been in a couple of bands and I've seen reviews that his bands have got and where they're completely missing the point about, you know, what instruments were used or what the, the songs are about and... It's been. It was funny seeing that from the other angle, thinking, "Oh, okay, that's how we go. <laughs> that's how it feels when you read these reviews." Um, but um, yeah, I, to answer your question, um, yeah, I've had a couple of. I, I there's a couple of folk albums I give real stinkers of reviews to, and I I don't do that very often. I won't do you know the one star stitch ups. I won't do that. Um, but I just thought these records weren't very good, yeah. and I had um, somebody hounding me on Twitter about this, who turned out to be the artist's brother. <laughs> Oh, oh no! no. <laughs> but um, oh. I did have also had emails from a couple of other people in the folk world who said, "Oh, I agree with you. I'm so yeah. glad somebody's finally said." Yeah. <laughs> but you know, it's, it is it is a matter of opinion as well. I'm kind of a pains to say that you know. But then, if you're a critic and you think something is genuinely missing the mark, or yes, you've got to do it. it but yeah. it is difficult. Yeah. It is difficult. Yeah, like, like, I mean, it's often said that you know. Um, what critics write is not for the artists to read because it, you know, it can affect the artist. And um, mm. I know comedians often say that kind of thing. Like if you're in Edinburgh and you get, you read a review of yourself, it can just completely wreck your whole month. Oh, <laughs> and then, you know, the next night you, you're double thinking everything and it's must be awful, especially if you're on your own doing a stand up or something, it's, you're just that one person. But um, I don't know. I, I think, I think it's, it's, it's obviously it's great to have music criticism, yeah. And it's very important for for audiences as well, and to help 
to help artists build build a, an art audience as well but um it's just yeah it's interesting that i think the um you know whether an artist should pay attention to what a critic says or just completely ignore it but artists are such fragile people really deep down yeah that's the thing <laughs> they're, they're and gonna also, do it yeah <laughs> i think post social media as well you know yeah. the you can just get in touch with critics or you can see the artists there and it makes you think yeah. a lot more about it yes. really you know um yeah. i have a rule now that i just um I try and adhere to it as much as possible. I will not review th- books or music by people I know. You know, I've, I've, I've yeah. re- I mentioned Nadine Shah. Yeah. I've, re- I've recently reviewed her latest album, which I think is amazing. Yeah. But I, and I sort of kn- just, I sort of know her because we're not f- friends. We could have sort of, I've, you know, I've, I've followed her stuff over the years and bumped into her places and she's really nice. I but, thought she um, was lovely. You know, she carried my cello case for me at the oh, Colston Hall. What a lovely, oh, so lovely. Nice. Like, yeah, that's what you picked want. it up. I had too many things in my hands. She picked up my case. That was enough to sell her to me massively. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, if, if that album had not been fantastic, I would have, you know, said that. You know, not I would say this album is rubbish, but you know, you've there's there's artists I've really loved and championed in the past that, you know, they they've done a new record and I've thought it's not as good. Like there's um there's an amazing Danish musician, a singer-songwriter called Agnes O'Bell, who I love. I don't know, last record, it was quite good, but it wasn't as good as her others, I didn't think. And I was a big supporter of the band The XX very early on. Yeah. I did their first yeah. interview for The Guardian. And I was just, oh. I felt like their auntie or something. I was just, I loved them so much. <laughs> I really wanted them to do well. I went to New York with them and all the, the enemy, all this stuff. It was amazing. Oh, wow. And then their second album came out and I was just like, don't think it's as good. And I did this review yeah. in Q and... I'm feeling really awful and, you know, I haven't seen them since, you know, <laughs> but um, <laughs> at the time everyone was saying this is amazing, five-star album, but actually if you look at what people say about them now, people think of that second album as a bit of a dip and then third album being a bit better. You've, you've got to be honest yeah. about these things, otherwise what's the point, you know? I'm interested in how you, how, how do you review an album? Do you, do you make, do you listen to it a certain number of times? Do you sit and just focus on it solely, um, or do you do you put it on while you're driving or doing the washing up? Or do you have a certain process you do for each album? Or is it always a bit different? That's a really good question, um, and because it's really important, you know. Sometimes I'm asked, I haven't have been asked recently, but I have been asked in the past. Oh, can you review this for tomorrow morning? And I think, no. How can you review an album? Yeah. That quickly. You know, yeah. sometimes if an album's just been released and a newspaper says, Can you know, we need a first listen review. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fine. And I and I actually I love when, you know, all those surprise drops of albums come like I remember when Beyonce's album kind of probably about ten years ago now dropped and Alexis Petridis of the Guardian had to like fire something out. But he's amazing anyway, and he's really funny <laughs> yeah, yeah. and really honest. And um but um what I do generally, um, say with Mojo, I always get the records about records, so old fashioned, about um, <laughs> a week or 10 days before, um, you know, yeah. on a SoundCloud stream usually these days. Uh, what I'll try and do is put it on the kitchen when I'm cooking or try to have it on the background a bit. Um, when I was driving more, obviously not doing that much at the moment, especially living in Lockdown, Wales. Um, yeah. uh, <laughs> I drive to the dairy and back. That's what I do. But um, yeah, yeah. I um, I like listening to it in the car. I love listening to music in the car. I'm a big yeah, car yeah. music fan. Yeah. Um, exactly. But having just it in the background and around, I also always 
ask the publicists for the artist if they've got lyrics or if they've got any line and notes, send them along. Because I like, I know with Mojo in particular, that, you know, they their readers are music nerds. They want to know the little details. Oh, yeah. So there might be something that's interesting there. Um, I love being able to pick up the lyrics and, you know, do, rather than just guess the lyrics and I'm listening to them and misquote somebody <laughs> dreadfully and miss the point of yeah. the song. Um, <laughs> but I do, I do like doing that, you know, you just have it on in the background because um, when you're yeah. just listening to a, to a stream like this on a computer, it's not the same. I was listening to a record no. a couple of weeks ago and I thought, oh, this is great. And then I just had it in the background cooking tea and I was thinking, hmm, yeah, you know, it's, it's not grabbing me yeah. as... You know, you. I think you've got to you've got to try and experience it as a listener would experience a normal, yes. an ordinary listener would experience it, not somebody yeah. who's writing about yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, they're exactly. very different uh, things, aren't they? You, I've mm. heard it called like active listening, where you're just sat there listening and and you're just doing that, and it, it's really hard to to maintain your focus on just on that. I don't know mm. why it is with yeah. music, and it and, and music, you know, it does tend to get listened to in the background when you're doing other things, and then it. That's why albums can be heard hundreds of times. Compared to like films, you only really watch a film one, two, three times, even your favourite films sometimes. Yeah. But music yeah, yeah. you listen to hundreds of times. Exactly. Yeah. It's weird that. And I, I guess that's because the visuals change all the time. And uh, it's I funny. Don't know. And it's, it's, it's interesting that, isn't it? Yeah. It's funny, yeah. And it's funny when you're reviewing an album. You know, I quite often get three or four albums a month for Mojo. Yeah. And some of them... I probably won't listen to it again, <laughs> you know. Yeah. But, yeah. but you also got to think about, it depends on who you're reviewing it for. You know, I'm reviewing it for a Mojo reader um, and Jenny Bully, who's the review editor there, who's great. She always, she says, you know, she wants each person to be reviewing, to be a fan anyway. So she said, said, will you review this? And I'm like, no, I think they're shit or whatever. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. But, um, so I'll, but, you know, so you've got to be a fan and you, you, you want the readers to be looking at that review because, oh, they think they're interesting. And how does this compare to other records in their careers? Or how does this stack up? Or is this a new artist that's interesting because of this genre or whatever? Um, but, you know, I've read back reviews I've written 10 years ago saying, this album's amazing. And I thought, I think I listened to that four times afterwards. You know, sometimes you've, <laughs> you've got to, yeah. you know, you've got to think of it a bit more long term, really. Yeah. And, you know, that's why, like, Oasis's third record, Be Here Now, got five star reviews and nobody thinks much of it anymore because people get caught yeah. up in the moment. That is something the older I get, I, and more experienced I get, I really try and ward against, you know, think about, you know, this is slightly different, but um, I reviewed one of my most exciting live gig reviews. I love I love doing live gig reviews. I reviewed the first night of the Cape Bush residency in the Hammersmith Apollo in oh. 2014. Oh, cool. yeah. It was, yeah. I had a four-month-old baby at the time. It was the first time I'd gone out and I was, so for all <laughs> kinds of reasons, I was a mess. <laughs> but I remember kind of, you know, I had gin and tonic in a pub by myself. I was going, what's going on? This is really weird. Um, and I remember sitting in the row in there and all the critics are there and loads of people I've known through the years. You know, Pete Fides was there, Will Hodgkinson yeah. from The Times, Catelyn Moran was there, all these people. And I was looking down this review, this row, um, and thinking, I bet everybody's going to give this a five-star review before it's even started because everybody has such goodwill to want her to be amazing. Yeah. Um, and I reviewed it for Pitchfork in the US. It's the only thing I've ever written for Pitchfork. They got in touch with me because I'd yeah. written a piece a few years previously. And I remember there were some things that I didn't think really worked. Her voice wasn't as great as it could have been. But, you know, also thinking, you know, she's older, so her voice has changed yeah. and all this stuff. But I wrote a review that wasn't like, oh, my God, this is the great, best thing ever. And I got such a slagging for it. I saw her three weeks later in the same residency having 
actually managed to buy a ticket, you know, the same morning that everybody else had fired up their laptops and went onto the website to try and get managed to get mm. some tickets. And three weeks onwards, it had really kind of come into its own and it was much better. Um, yeah. But I thought that was interesting. You know, you, you know when people are... It, it, reviews get quite homogenised sometimes. People yeah. think, what should... What do people expect... What expecting this gig to be rather than what is it actually like yeah Yeah. i've noticed that with theater reviews often where where you start seeing them come out um of a couple of shows that i did where where you you see the first it's like some of them are waiting to gauge what's going on with some of the other ones is that would that be correct in saying that like it seems like the first three come out and they're iffy so then everyone goes down that route or like one comes out and then suddenly everyone says it's really great i i think people do i try to not to read stuff yeah you know um Although, and sometimes I read, I do get nervous that I've got it wrong, you know, which is a weird yeah, thing. Yeah, well, we'd all feel that. I completely understand. It must be yeah. so hard to trust things, especially if it's an extreme reaction to something. Yeah. But you then, know. It, it, you know, I was still saying that Kate Bush gig was really great, but not yeah. amazing. Um, yeah. And um, I reviewed an album recently for Mojo by the band The 1975, and I thought, was well, this really ambitious? And there's 22 tracks, this sort of... But it's sort of all over the place. And some bits work really well, but it's sort of a bit of a mess. And I said yeah. that in the review and I thought, I bet everybody else is going to say this is amazing. But actually the other review said the same thing because I had to write it two months before it came out. And that's I, I, I quite like reviewing for Mojo, actually, because you can't accidentally see a review by somebody else. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But then you just, you, you learn to sort of trust your instincts and try not to care as much if people disagree. Yeah. I suppose. Yeah. You were on the Mercury Prize panel, weren't you? In tw- uh, tw- twenty yeah. years, was it two thousand and seven? Is that right? Um, I was there for With... six, six years from two thousand and seven. Oh, really? Oh, wow. Right. Yeah. <laughs> My God, so, that is a lot of listening. So it's over two hundred albums you listened to ago. Isn't yeah, it? right? it's crazy. I would, you know, at the time, I remember the first year I did it, and I thought, how am I going to do this? You know, to be honest, I was a reviews editor when I did it for the first year and saw a lot of the ums I'd come across already. And I have written quite extensively about the Mercury and I don't think every judge listens to everything. And also, if you hear the first first track of a record and you hate it, you're not going to give it one of your 12, you know, shortlisted places, to be honest. But then again... (laughs) It's hard because you know, if you're somebody who's maybe not into, say, folk music, you might listen to a bit of the first track and go, oh, no, not for me. Mm. Um, you know, my tastes are really eclectic. I'm not saying, you know, because I'm so cool, but, you know, there's some people who are there, like, they're there as somebody who works for Radio 1 or there were somebody who's there who works for this place, you know, and they might have their own, well, you know, view on what this should should be about. Um, yeah. I just, like... You know, it's 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 a crazy thing having that many albums. To be honest, I think yeah. it's um, I don't think it's a brilliant system. Although it's it's changed in recent years, it has changed in recent years, and um, I think the last couple of years have been amazing. The Mercury's. I think when we did it, it was um, it was fun, and we had some really fun years. Um, I did nearly the first year, and the Claxons won, not Amy yeah. Winehouse's Back to Black. Well, I was going to ask you about that because you were just saying about things, <laughs> albums that last over time. Like, Back to Black is a classic, isn't it? Klaxons. Yeah, um. that, that's an example <laughs> of, of everyone getting whipped up into some sort of, you know, frenzy that's going on at the time. That, yeah. The Klaxons did not last, did they? Really? What was it called? New Rave? I can't even remember. But um, yeah. yeah, that wasn't my choice. I could have had a, quite a vociferous argument with um, a couple of the panel. I remember yeah. I could, one, of the, one of them was 
the lovely Lauren Laverne, who could have um, was, um, uh, and we just I don't know who it was about the Claxons, but I can remember getting thinking, oh, I don't know, you were Lauren Laverne. This is not right. We're supposed to be you know pals, because um, you know she's she's amazing. And this is before she was like a big DJ, so she's still on XFM, I think. And I still thought of her as this '90s indie person from Kinnicky, yeah. the band I yeah. love. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, that, that I was not happy about that. Um, but the next year was Elbow, and that was an amazing year actually, because Elbow yeah. were not really, they were not, you know, I think that, you know, I should, I would say this, of course, I think Elbow were totally made by the Mercury. They brought people, they were the opposition, yeah. and they were pushed to a more mainstream audience, and Guy Garvey owes me lots of money basically, because I, <laughs> no, <I'm laughs> that was a lovely year. That was, it, and it, it, it really felt like that was the right decision, and that record was such a beautiful record. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, we do, yeah, Elbow, who else? Speech to Bell one year later. I still think that's an amazing oh, yeah. record. Nobody else does. 2010 was the XX. 2011 was yeah. PJ Harvey. 2012 was oh, yeah. Alt-J, who oh, I'm not yeah. a fan of either. And I I, I I was out after that because I think I swore too much in the uh, <laughs> meetings. <laughs> Go for my pasting. It really struck me, though, as that period went along. And again, I've written angrily about this, how classical music, folk music... Um, Stuff that basically the stuff that's played on Radio Three and the kind of like late junctiony type shows just gets people just don't sense stuff in because that stuff doesn't get into the shortlist and that stuff sort mm. of gets weeded out. And there's there's mm. been some amazing judges on the panel. There's been some great jazz people. Um, but the last time a folk record was nominated was 2012, and that's the last year I was in. And I know I think really? that's that's linked. Yeah, which is which is. There's this idea that the Mercury should represent what's going on in Britain right now, and I think a lot of people just think folk is Britain long gone, which is a very reductive way of looking at folk music. Mm. Yeah. You know, I have learned some amazing things, you know, through I, you know, I'm I'm one of these weird people that yeah, I'm the Guardian's folk writer, but I also I loved Grime really early on. I reviewed Wiley's first album. I remember in two thousand three, yeah. and and I've I was really happy when Dave won. Um, yeah. Last yeah. year. So it's not that I'm resistant, but I know that there are people who think, you know, we should be following the the latest new thing. And it's and it's and it's not just about grime or kind of um certain kinds of, you know, what's brand horribly is urban music, not at all. It's kind of like you know, it's because it is old and traditional. Um mm. and it's not, you know, modern or using, you know, the latest electronics or whatever. I don't know. It's it's a weird one. Yeah. It's a weird one. Yeah. But what's the sort of remit of the Mercury Prize? What's the idea? Are they meant to be giving it to the best music of any kind coming out that yeah. year? Or is it meant to be? So, yes, yeah, so it's not like popular music in any way. It's or... like 12 albums that represent that year, really, from yeah. all the things that have been sent in. And, um, you know, lots of so stuff gets sent in. The classical thing could be, could be in there, really, couldn't it? Yeah. Oh, absolutely! Not... The last couple yeah. of years I did it, there were—I don't think there were any classical things actually sent in for the process. That's what really shocked really? me. Yeah. And, Do they just um, assume that they won't get anywhere? Do you think? Is there just a feeling they're not so. going to? Yeah. What a shame. I think so. I did a piece um, for the Guardian two years ago, maybe, um, and I interviewed—I interviewed people who'd been nominated in the early days because there were lots of classical nominations in the early days, and also labels and. I can't remember who it was now, but somebody said, you know, classical labels just don't stand stuff in anymore. But I interviewed Gavin Bryars, which was really exciting. And wow, um, yeah. he was saying it was a really important thing for him because it put his music, um, I think it was Jesus, a recording of Jesus' Blood Never Fail Me Yet, and it put his yeah. music 
into different you know into different audiences. To be fair, I really yes. think the last couple of years the Mercury has really upped its game, and mm. there've been you know there've been some amazing performances. They've also had you know the people have gotten to the shortlist like the band Idols, who were like in your yeah. face, and um, yes. oh. and so that's been see them lost his glasses there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I saw amazing. them at Ali Pali last year, and yeah. Uh, I was just standing with my friend and then the the band started and just, I thought it was at a safe distance. I was like, yeah. oh, this would be nice here. I could just stand. And then just suddenly woof, everyone behind me, oh I fell God. over, got up, my glasses were gone. I was like, oh, they're, <laughs> yeah. they're in a million pieces already. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's fantastic though. I love yeah, it. Yeah, but seeing the, you know, the, the ceremony on TV last year, I was I was so excited for every every single act. Yeah. Little Sims was amazing. You know, this, and it felt like, Oh, something has changed here. Something has something has been whipped up, and also I think making the panel a little bit broader, more diverse. You know, kind of in terms of age. You know, kind of in. You know, it was very white when I did it. You know, it was very yeah. led by radio when I did it, and it was lots of yeah. radio commissioners thinking of maybe their own particular things. But um, yeah, yeah, I thought it was. You know, yeah, there was no folk there, which is a shame. But kind of like there was twelve really. Exciting arms. You know, I didn't love them all, but I thought this is this really feels vital. You know, it feels important. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I guess a lot of those artists are talking about in their musical, uh, lyrical content, um, it, today's issues. Yeah. So yeah, uh, it's a uh, in change. a very, yeah, in a very kind of often you know angry way or mm. or or celebrating people. Uh, so it's very you can you can connect to it on a very yeah. um human level a lot of this music so yeah. maybe it does feel a lot lot more urgent you know to talk about this sort of issues yeah i think it's just it. seems slow tie with boris's head it was like what's yeah. going yeah. on this doesn't <laughs> happen the mercury's but you know it, it felt it felt for years that the mercury's was just a bit like the brits and they'd sort of yeah. become the same thing and it's like well that's yeah but what's interesting now is i think the brits is becoming more like the mercury's is becoming a little bit more challenging you know yeah Music's quite yeah. exciting at the moment, I think. Anyway, yeah, yeah, definitely. And so you're, so you're now um, reviewing folk music. Yeah. And is it, was it? Did you get into folk? Were you always interested, or is it something latterly you've come to? Um, it's funny. I guess I had it in the background when I was growing up, but I really got into it. Then that wasn't in any serious sense. You know, my mum and dad went like down the folk club. You know, my mum like Ralph <laughs> McTell. I like I had a lot of kind of acoustic. You know, guitar stuff, you know, vaguely, but, my, you know, I'm from a South Walian Baptist chapel family where they, you know, it was hymns and choirs. That's the kind of background I'm from. And I was just yeah. in the corner like, listening to Pet Boys and, you know, the bangles and all this kind of stuff. You know, um, <laughs> it was the sort of early 2000s, like, folk, like, revival or the kind of psychedelic folk stuff that started to happen. And there, were, there were a lot of reissues of, like, rare old folk rock records and... Things like the Fairport Convention things being reissued and people like Vashti Bunyan were coming back and and it was the early days, the Green Man Festival actually, which oh, really yeah. celebrated um the early days of it, especially it was about psychedelic stuff, the psychedelic side of folk. And I loved that. And I started getting into I think I heard um Shirley Collins and David Graham's Folk Roots New Roots and oh, I decided to listen to all this stuff. And they sort of cut across as like singer-songwriter music a bit at the time as well. So that's where I kind of came in. And then I started interviewing folk musicians and getting more interested in traditional songs. And and I've always been somebody who's more interested in the kind of more experimental ends of that stuff or stuff that's a bit more raw or 
Mm. I don't know, interesting. I, I'm not one for like very, if folk being like a comfort blanket and being really sweet and gentle. I like stuff that's like, there was somebody murdered. Yes. <laughs> <And this is laughs> um, but yeah, I interviewed Shirley Collins quite um, early on in that love of it all, really, 2008. And I've interviewed her quite a lot of times now with, you know, with friends. It's really weird. Um, and um, and I have reviewed her album, which I felt compromised by, but I said, please, could you yeah. review this album? I was like, oh, yeah, okay. Um <laughs> That was a hard one, but um, she's she's amazing, and yeah. and she really made me realise how f- I had to study the folk was safe and comfortable and lovely, and then you start getting into the songs, and and also I've, I've I grew up singing as well, you know, with the yeah. Welsh family stuff and like singing in hymns and doing the alto parts, and I, I'm a violinist who much preferred fiddling right. to oh, yeah. um, not a violinist in any great sense, you know, um, kind of I did my grades and I did, I was in school orchestras and stuff. And so oh, well, gave come up on when I university. <laughs> but it was like, I don't like, you know, Mozart's too hard. Give me some Jewish wedding music and I'm away. You know, that's the kind of <laughs> yeah. stuff I love. So, um, and, and I started seeing those links there and, um, yeah, I started singing in the community choir in Cecil Sharp House, the headquarters yeah. of ah. English Folk and Dance Song Society, which was yeah amazing singing old english folk songs welsh songs scottish songs georgian and lots of eastern european songs oh god i loved it and and i sort of just pursued that really kind of like pitched more said my head says oh we should review this or review that and when it came to the guardian had a bit of a change with this reviews about three years ago and they decided they were going to do columns rather than um maybe it's less than that two years ago or so um and so I was asked, do you want to do the folk column? And I was like, yeah, that'd be great. And I'm um, so I do one a month, which feels not enough in some yeah. respects, but it's like one album, three other things. And I always try and get stuff that's a little bit more, you know, esoteric. And then not just for the sake of it, um, but try and get stuff that feels very exciting or new. And there's, there's loads of great stuff out there at the moment. I think there are some labels paying attention to folk music who some people find quite surprising like rough trade have yeah put out a lot yeah. of interesting folk stuff and that is mainly because jeff travis who runs rough trade is a huge folk fan and always has been you know i've i've saw him a couple of times at the cambridge folk festival and i was like what are you doing here you know aren't you supposed to be on tour with the libertines or something yeah. <laughs> and he was there to see, <laughs> see richard thompson you know and um so there's there's that and um there's also so there's this little label river lee that they've set up a subsidiary just had some amazing artists like lisa o'neill who i think is just amazing um um i just think that's a lot of the bands they've got so there's a real intensity to some of the music coming out i think that's connecting with people as well like lancum yeah. the irish band oh my god some of the best gigs i've seen in recent years just um they're so fantastic and the kind of stuff that it's not easy music, but it's the kind of stuff that is, you know, it's all enveloping and it's intense. I took my husband to see Lancome at a festival. <laughs> I went to see a live gig oh, in, in, Card- <laughs> in um, Cardigan in West Wales. There's this festival called Other Voices um, and they had a Welsh ver- Welsh version of it in uh, Cardigan last year. And he, you know, and he had heard bits of them, but never loved them. But seeing them live, he's like, oh, my God, they're incredible. The harmonies and the treatments of these old songs, they're so beautiful. And like Lancome to me, they sound a bit like, um, this is actually something I'm quite proud of. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I think they sound, they, they sound to me a bit like Portishead, the most kind of like intense. Oh. And I interviewed 
Jeff Barrow and Adrian Utley from Portishead last year. And I've I've met Adrian Utley a few times because he does stuff with the Power Orchestra and I knew him yeah. a bit. But Jeff, I was a bit scared of meeting Jeff Barrow from Portishead because he's quite intense and he is grumpy right. on Twitter and he tells that he is. But um, I said to him, <laughs> I kept thinking that this new Blancham record I, I'd only just heard, I said it rem- really reminded me of Portishead's third, which I think is one of the best records. And um, I mentioned it to them and um, mentioned to Jeff. And Jeff's been working with Rady, the singer, because and just posting on um, Twitter going, I found this band recently. I think they're amazing. I'm like, oi, oi, Jeff. It was me. Uh, yeah. I told you. But, um, no, it's, it's fun. But like, I've introduced Jeff Barrow to this amazing band and oh, yes. he hadn't heard of them before. And I'm like, oh, yeah. But the bands that are exciting me are the bands, I think, they will kind of they connect outside folk, you know, as well. Yeah. Not just because they're trying to escape. They're not trying to escape folk music. They're trying to do something really vital and important with it. And um, yeah, I think it's yeah. There's a convergency to it at the moment. You know, some of them sing political songs as well, which I think is part of the climate we're in. Yeah, but um, yeah, it's really really exciting time. I think it's really exciting in America as well. You've got, I just reviewed this um. Artist, I only came across because I got an email from his publicist, a guy called Jake Blount, I think is how you pronounce right. his surname, who's an amazing, you must check him out. He's an amazing, yeah. he's from um, Virginia, lives in Rhode Island, plays the banjo amazingly, plays the fiddle amazingly, best voice. And he could have cool. done this debut album that's basically trying to unpick and unravel the kind of indigenous and black American roots of folk music. Um, a bit like Rhiannon Giddens, but in a very different way. I don't know if you know her. She's amazing as well. But, you know, so much folk music is not... It's not... Yeah. A lot of folk music is, is you know, folk music is seen as white and it's not. It's yeah. kind of... It's every culture, every part of the yeah. world. These instruments are part of the world. And I think people very easily just... And that's what I'm trying to do with the column as well, trying to show that, you know, this is not, you know, the thing you think it is. But his record is amazing. And he, he made me think of artists like Gillian Welch and the fact they felt like this really urgent, instant record. And I really hope that's a really, really good recent one. Yeah, because that's it. Like folk music, that's a huge, it's encompassing an awful lot, actually. I don't know how you're able to narrow it down to pick like (laughs) one, like a couple of albums every month because, I mean, where do you start? (laughs) So many countries with folk music, you know, everywhere. To be honest, it's, you know, I get sent stuff, um, but I always look on Bandcamp as well because lots of people yeah. release stuff independently and I try and... A couple of months ago, there's this woman... I'm going to forget her name. Yeah, I've forgotten her name. This, ama- this woman <laughs> in her 60s who'd been in various bands and did this uh, album that was inspired by Ridley Walker, the Russell Hoban novel. It was fantastic and I just found it on Bandcamp and I put it in my also out this month and she did not expect that at all because she hadn't... And she's, yeah. she'd got, like she said, I've had 20, 20 orders today. <laughs> she's really yeah. excited. But um, ah. I'm very lucky to have a great editor at The Guardian, Laura Snapes, who is well, just always says, you know, to the specialist columnist, you know, we want you to broaden the definitions of what people think these things are so people are surprised and are maybe brought yeah. in. You know, that could, I do worry that that sometimes could let down people who are more, traditional you know and I, but I always mm. if there's a really good record that's feels like it's a very safe folk record but is interesting I'll still put it in um you know the also out column but um you know it also gives me scope to do you know I had an album sent to me of Bulgarian folk stuff late last year and it was so brilliant and I was thinking well, this could very easily go in the global column but they are yeah. conversations they make sure that yeah. 
these things are covered so nobody loses out. They're quite, they're quite good at that, actually. Folk's such a, a big, it's such a big term, isn't it? it it's sort yeah. of, yeah. I mean, how do you define it when you think about what folk is? How do you discern what's one thing's folk and, and not, you know, something else? I put it as, so it's, I think of it more as traditional music. So it's, I'm trying to take old, older songs. Oh, that's difficult in itself, isn't it? Um mm. And um, trying to do something new with it. Basically, I, I don't, you know, folk is quite often used to mean singer-songwriter, isn't it, really? Or something that sounds a bit polite. Yeah, I guess so. Um, yeah. But, but I have reviewed people who might have had a past doing traditional music but are known to a traditional music audience. Mm. Like, um, trying to think of an example. Um, there's a singer called Lavinia Blackwall who used to be in Trembling Bells and she's done lots yeah. of traditional stuff in the past. But her new record's really not folk. It could be anywhere. But I think I'm not sure where she'd fit in to the Guardian otherwise and I want to put this in because I think people would be interested in it yeah. um, so I think you know it's got a connection to the ancient music of a yeah. place really I guess folk would always have been passed down generations isn't it like it's the songs that your your parents and your grandparents would have sung and mm. before people wouldn't have written things down and it would have just been you'd hear it in the pubs and yeah exactly in your communities yeah. and- it is weird though I've been writing a piece today about the song Dirty Old Town which everybody knows yeah. Um, yeah. you know um you know, most famously by the Pogues or the Dubliners, yeah. both by Ewan McCall. Like he wrote that for a play in 1949. And I was thinking, it's funny how that's thought of as a folk song in some respects, whereas, you know, the very early rock and roll songs are like five years younger than that. And they're not thought of as traditional. So, no. You know, I know it's kind of, you know, he just wrote that for a play. He wrote that for a work of fiction. It's interesting. albums so extensively <laughs> ruined is it like a busman's holiday now when you come to sit down and listen to music <laughs> do you know what you're closer to the truth than you think so i was a reviews editor for or a reviews assistant and then a reviews editor for four years old together and you know you turn up in the office and there'd be two sacks every day of cds and it did it really did because you're oh. thinking i can't listen to all this and make a judgment i'm gonna miss some stuff out um I have always been the kind of music listener, like I say, popular music listener that I will look at covers, you know, I look at the artwork and go, oh, that looks cool, I'll put that on. Because I think that is an important part yeah. of the package. And obviously that's harder yeah. with yeah. SoundCloud links these days. Yeah. Um, yeah. But um, it has, it is funny kind of um, reviewing again more regularly. Um, I don't do loads of it. If I did loads of it, I think I'd get jaded. Yeah. But I try, I try and, um, you know, there's loads of music I the styles of music I like that I don't review actually I love loads of electronic music and like sort of more ambient stuff and you know your traditional weird late junction experimental stuff which I don't review as much I'd like to in some ways but then I think yeah. I was thinking this the other day should I pitch more of that I thought no I, I don't want to ruin it yeah exactly <laughs> keep it special yeah. no but you, you do you do you know I know people who I've got a friend who was a music journalist when I was starting out and went off and left that to do other kind of journalism. And she would be, I thought, oh, you can still get, you'll still be sending free CDs. She said, I don't want to actually, because I want to kind of just like try and find music for myself again. Yeah. Um, Cause you know, yeah. you will become friends with publicists and they'll send you stuff and you'll feel slightly beholden and you're always fighting all those feelings. Um, yeah. So yeah, I'm quite happy with the amount I'm doing at the moment, which is a folk column every month 
three or four things for um for Mojo. You know, occasionally I'll do a lead album for them, but um, if I'm offered a lead album for them, you know, I wanted to be. You know, I'll say if I've hit, the editor's good, she'll say listen to it a couple of times, and if if you don't think it's for you, tell me. And I and I do actually. I know some journalists oh, will just say no. I you know I I'll do it anyway because I need the job or whatever. You know, which is fair enough. Yeah. But um. I did a big lead on Laura Marling's recent one the other month, which is a really fantastic record. So I was quite pleased oh, to yes. get my teeth into that. Yeah. It's so good. I started listening to some of that the other day. It's great, isn't it? It's beautiful, yeah. yeah. And the lyrics are great. She's really talented. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Do you ever think, do they ever start talking to people you're interviewing and you think, you are, I'm not convinced that you're telling me the truth here, that they're just spouting <laughs> lines. <laughs> oh, I must have. I must have. <laughs> oh God. Yeah. Some of the... Oh, actually, yeah, I had somebody who was completely telling me lies. Um, this is this is um, you know, girl, Girls Aloud, R.I.P. Yeah. Um, Nadine yeah. from Girls Aloud. Um, she had her first oh, yeah. solo record out. This is about ten years ago. Yeah, and it was obvious a lot of what she's telling me is complete, you know, bull. And um, <laughs> and um, yeah, at the end, it kind of because she was going out with somebody, and you know, she I asked something, you know. How, she said she had nothing else to say about this album or its influences or something like that. And then literally she walked at the interview, got a cab to Radio 1, announced her engagement to this guy. <laughs> oh, um, no. But, I, but I, wrote, <laughs> wrote the, I wrote the interview as it was. And actually, when you have people who are who are lying or are rude, if you just write that up, actually, that can be quite interesting. Because I think, yeah. you know, you, you don't want to sugarcoat what's going on, really. No, you know, I, absolutely. I, I, the, the, there are occasions where I might be interviewing a musician. I said this recently somewhere, kind of um, female musicians often, if especially they go through a hard time, the story can often be that this woman is going through a hard time rather than this woman's made an amazing record and she's also going through a hard time. Mm. So um, mm. I've done, in those situations, I've left out the personal stuff as much. But um, if, you know, there there have been occasions when people have been... Yeah, total, you know, dicks. And I, and I have, uh, I have, I have put that in. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I think it makes for a great read. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Just let them, you know, let them, uh, you know, if it's been said, it's on his tape, you know, and you're not, <laughs> you know, you, you just let, you let the quotes speak for themselves, really. Quite. <laughs> Are there any people that you really want to interview that you haven't yet uh, on your sort of bucket list? Um, I'd really, I really like interviewing the kind of 
people that have been around a long time and female journalists aren't asked to interview as much. You know, there's lots of right. old blokes who are always uh, who are, are given old blokes to interview them generally. Um, oh. I was. Mm. I was really lucky really early on in my career at Word magazine because I was sent out to interview people like Robert Plant. You know, it was amazing. They were like, we'd much mm, rather wow. a 27-year-old girl go out and interview woman, go out and interview him than some a bloke who's known as the Days of Led Zeppelin or whatever. That was amazing. That doesn't happen very often. Yeah. I get sent off to do... Um, I, um, I write mainly for The Observer who would send me off to interview these kind of people, I hasten to add. But um, yeah. quite often I get sent to like this is my kind of clang dropping this now, like Marianne Faithful and Chrissy Hind in yeah. recent years, people like that who are just like, oh, yeah. amazing. But yeah. <laughs> I don't get asked as much to interview, you know, this is a bit of a leap, but not not from them, but, you know, because I can't imagine being asked to interview Bruce Springsteen, you know, that'd yeah. be a leap because he lives in America. Or, um, <laughs> you know, Willie, Willie Nelson had a record at last year and I was like trying to get an interview with Willie Nelson. You know, I'd love to interview people like that who've got amazing stories. And... You know, the people on my bucket list when I was a teenager, you know, I'm I'm lucky I've interviewed a lot of them now, which is really great. You know, Michael Stipe was my yeah. dream. He, um, uh, Jarvis Cocker. I've oh, worked yeah. with him quite a few. T- I've worked with him once. I, I wrote a script for him for the ABBA exhibition oh, wow. in the South Bank, yes, which that. was nuts. Yeah. I was writing all these slightly saucy jokes for Jarvis, which he'd take out. I was like, oh my God, it's so embarrassing. Um, but I've, I did a, I've done a few phone interviews with him. I've got his landline phone number on my phone. He's not my friend, but I'm like, God, Jarvis' landline, very exciting. Yeah. Oh I should delete you, it, really. Have you got Kylie's on you? Got no, on phone, so. Kylie oh. is beyond the realms, man. She is. Um, um, but yeah, yeah. Ky- yeah, Kylie, you know, there's those people I was... Um, I would love, I would love, love, love to interview Adam Ant, actually, because oh, yeah. lo- he was probably my first love. And I have met yeah. him at an after show for a Tony Bennett concert, completely randomly. Um, oh. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> he's such an interesting character and he's had a tough old life um, and yeah. also had lots of, you know, problems, personal problems, mental health problems. You know, he, but yeah. I've read some amazing interviews of him. Um yeah. But yeah, oh, there's gonna be there's gonna be others. I I really enjoy interviewing people that aren't necessarily my great heroes. Um, but you've got to really kind of do your prep, and you know, jobs like the Chrissy Chrissy Hind was great because I've always liked the liked her stuff, but didn't know loads about her beyond her biography, so I had to really do the research, and I I love that. Mar- you know, Marion Faithful that was amazing. Yeah. But you know, yeah. but some of the people you know, like Madonna. If I was ever asked, which I wouldn't be, I don't think. I don't know if I'd, I don't think I'd, I don't think I'd want to interview Madonna. I don't think I'd want to interview somebody. Oh yeah, Morrissey. I don't want to interview for obvious reasons. No. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> but, so you got a death yeah, wish. Gone. <laughs> I'd like to interview maybe um, yeah Bernard Sumner from New Order. I'd like to interview again. I did him once for about another project years ago. Um, but yeah, there's 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 people I've I love who I've done little interviews with. I'd love to do longer interviews with actually. Yeah. So you were talking about first love, sir, just back there, and I just I can't not ask you about the Pet Shop Boys because Neil Tennant <laughs> was the first one of the first people that I loved. Him, <laughs> him, and Andy Peters, and I don't know. I just feel like oh. things didn't work out so well for me. <laughs> well, my, yeah, me, my first loves were. Well, there was Adam out when I was really little because I just thought he was a prince charming out of a book. Um, yeah. Yeah, Neil Tennant, Michael Stipe Morrissey, all gay men. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, you know. I'm right with you there. Right with you. But um, yeah. so, but you, the 
Pet Shop Boys, Neil Tennant, they're friends of yours, are they not? <laughs> no, they're oh. not friends. Well, no, Oliver Shepherd, not... our mutual friend, told me a lie. <laughs> I wish, I wish, I wish, I wish they were. I've interviewed, I have interviewed them quite a few times now. I did an interview with um, Neil and Chris, Neil Tennant, Chris Lowe, um, together for the New Statesman maybe seven or eight years ago, um, and that was oh, amazing. I did an interview mm. with Neil by himself, a profile inter- big profile interview. Maybe that was that was around the same time. Um, I've done a lot of um, phone interviews with Neil as part of Bigger Pieces. Um, he yeah. did this really fantastic playlist um, for that lockdown playlist piece I was I mentioned earlier. Um, yeah. About it, like, uh, for nature lovers... Um, he, and it's great. It's got loads of classical. It's got a bit of folk. It's got, um, it's really lovely. He's very, very thoughtful. Um, oh. Although he was very, he, he did write, he did, he was the only person who insisted that he wanted to write it himself. Um, he's been a little bit prickly with me since I mm. re- reviewed his book in the um, New Statesman and said that I didn't think he was fantastic. It's a, it's a funny <laughs> thing with, that, that has been a funny thing with the Petra Boys because again, one of my, big early loves and those early records oh you know I could still, and i play out my son is six now and i've made mm. him obsessed with the pet Shop boys oh, um, so great they're brilliant i saw them i saw them live in september with my younger brother in hyde park they were so fantastic they're such a brilliant band um yeah. but yeah you know when i've still you know a couple of albums i've given mediocre reviews two lukewarm reviews um the alternative mm. uh, l- lyrics book for faber which was you know, a book of lyrics, it just, his lyrics don't work on the page as well as some people's. And it's just one of those things. And I felt like you know, maybe a little bit more stuff around that would have helped the book in a way. But yeah, I, this is my theory. I think Neil doesn't want to be friends with me anymore. Because I, oh. I, I, oh, I did used to get, I did used to get, broken for you. I did used to get, Christ, <laughs> I did used to get Christmas cards from them though. For about five years, right. I got a pet. I got a Petra Boys Christmas card, and then I I dropped off the list. And uh, okay, so Oliver Shepherd. Sorry, I'm just gonna say I'm sorry. I take it back. That was what I was told, and I reinterpreted it as they are your friends. <laughs> I think they they were my friends when um, Oliver used to come around the house and see my. I'd be like Oliver, look at this card. But yeah, I haven't got Neil Tennant's phone number, and um, but he he knows I love him. It is funny. He'll call when I spoke. I spoke to him about six months ago for another piece with lots of different interviewees. And he was like, how's it going, dude? How's Wales? How, how old your little boy now? And I was thinking, this is so weird. <laughs> he knows about <laughs> my life. But that's... Yeah. Quite, but, you know, the, the, the lovely thing are, they are human beings. You know, that's the thing I try and get across in my writing, actually. Yeah. Um, when I'm doing interviews, you know, these, however talented or eccentric or peculiar they are, they are human beings and you know you are two people two human beings in a room having a conversation with each other yeah quite at the end of the day (laughs) or three yeah or three (laughs) or three (laughs) (laughs) what do you do if you if you've only got 20 minutes with someone do you do you just write as many lines of inquiry down as you can just so you don't sort of run out of things to say. I'm just saying as a very a beginner interviewer, we've only been going for a couple of months. Oh, you're, doing amazing. Yeah. you're doing amazingly. We're, we're really we're good totally questions. Totally trying actually. to get tips. We're trying. <laughs> Thank you. 20 minutes. What I do is, yeah, I, I, I say do loads of prep. Um, what, uh, so Michael Stipe, 20 minutes. You know, I knew lots of that stuff already, but I thought, okay, this 
think about what they're expecting and you need to you sort of need to flatter them a bit and but not too much I always try and drop in something really early on this is a good tip <laughs> I, don't know if it I don't know if it always works I try and I try and mention something quite early on that shows I know their stuff just yeah. you know you said in this interview yeah. blah 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 this and I thought that was really interesting and so you just you just don't trot out tell me about your new album or you know who your yeah. influences or whatever you know the you know the Jules Holland school of interview <laughs> on, on yeah. the later. but um sorry Jules yeah. sorry um but I always think doing that is good because if you, and especially you've got a short space of time then that happens with the Michael Stipe I was helped hugely by an old colleague of mine who suggested that I use a kind of funny format to make it more interesting. Um, cause it, it was the, the last day that REM were doing interviews, um, before they, but they'd announced they'd split up and this was their last day of interviews ever. Wow. So, um, my, so I just got in there, which was good. Um, <laughs> yes. yeah, I know. Um, and my old colleague, Andrew Harrison, he used to be editor of select magazine in the nineties. And I'd, I'd worked with a word and now does the brilliant Romaniacs and bunker podcasts. He's oh, brilliant. Yeah. He, um, he said to me, well, he's leaving his job. So why don't you give him an exit interview? You know, find you know, kind of like, yeah. You know, so ha- tell me the best things about your job. You know, what, um, is there anything you could you to change about your colleagues? You know, kind of uh, blah blah. <laughs> you know, and I got this. So I went to this interview and said, "You're right. I know we've got a 20, 20 minutes. Rather than ask you what everybody else is asking you, I'm going to do this because it'll be quite fun and be a nice way to frame the conversation." And he loved it. He oh, really God. liked it. <laughs> it was different because he's so bored of being asked to say, "Are you really going to split up forever?" You know, he's, he's going to be asked yeah. the same questions, and there were a few things. Early on, I asked him one of the questions, and I said, "Oh, you know, so um, have there ever been any times when you haven't liked your work surroundings, or, or could have, or something like that?" It was a better phrase question. And he started to say something. And I said, "You know, so you know, like in 1985, when you were in Woods Green in North London, you know, making your, your third album, and you know, I know you didn't like that, and I know Joe Boyd, the producer, was doing this with you." And so, so you could see him going, "Oh, yeah, okay, so this she knows her stuff." Yeah, yeah, and that yeah. kind of, you know. Because they, you also, I, you think of it from their position. I, I think you know, they're in a room doing loads of these. He's done been doing these since 1982 or whenever they first gonna, you know, could have became, yeah. got to a position where they were doing that kind of interviews. You've got to mix it up. You've got to make it a bit more interesting. And I, you know, and it was great in the end. But yeah, do do your prep or find something interesting. I I use I subscribe to a brilliant. Um, thing called Rocks Back Pages, um, which has lots of old interviews from across, you know, music, journalism, history. Um, and I always try and find some interesting old things from interviews to try and get different angles. Um, mm. Also, it doesn't work as much now, but I used to, like if a band was um, was from, uh, say a band is Canadian. I, I did an interview with, the, with um, the Arcade Fire quite early on. And I found yeah. some, some of their really early Canadian press before they started to sculpt their you know, enigmatic, you know, yeah. um, ideas themselves. And so I'd find some really interesting early stuff. But it's it's research, really, just finding something that's a little bit offbeat or strange. Um, yeah. And, yeah, I always loved doing that. I, I did a massive, I did a massive retrospective on craft work years ago when they were playing the Tate Modern. And I remember thinking, right, I, I'm going to go to the British Library I'm going to find when they were first mentioned in the press. And I basically, oh, wow. it was, and I got all, because you can get all the old music magazines. 
Um, they're yeah. all in these big binders. I sit next to a guy you know, researching Socrates and I'm there with a melody maker from 1974. <laughs> and I found the first advert and how it looks, you know, for Autobahn and how different it looks and all this kind of stuff. And it's you, you've got to think, just think around, you know, I know that's not an interviewing tip, but to try and think of a different way around it or... And often a point of connection can help as well, you know, mentioning the Welshness to Kylie. Um, yeah. I did... I, I, I have these off-pat because I was a journalism lecturer for years, so I told some of the yeah. students this. Um, I interviewed Justin Timberlake on my honeymoon. <laughs> because <laughs> oh I was like... Off- God. Wow. I was offered this job. We'd like to fly to New York so could have... You know, this is when people... This still happened. I, I, for, for Women's Mag. Um, you know, um, this is Justin Timberlake interviewing in New York. Um, it's next week. Are you back on honeymoon? No, but I'll be in honeymoon in New York. So I had to leave my husband of two weeks behind and interview him. But um, we'd just been to Memphis, Tennessee. There'd been floods there. I knew that Justin Timberlake's family were from there. So I just said, um, oh, we've just been down here and kind of like, um, and are your friends and family all right down in Memphis? And... Yeah, that was the way we started off, and then we started talking about yeah. his influences from when he was a kid, and and he quite liked the fact that I was a music journalist interviewing him, and not a, you know a, a, a typical women's magazine journalist or whatever that is, you know. But mm. he had, he obviously got twisted a little bit with that. So it's just yeah. using what you've got <laughs> in different ways, yeah. yeah, yeah, and being nice. Don't be a dick. Well, was <laughs> he nice? <laughs> well, no, we are not a really. bit of dicks, really. But... <laughs> oh, he wasn't. He was. <laughs> no, he yeah. was. He was like you know. I'm Justin Timberlake. He was kind of, um, he he just seemed quite stoned throughout the whole thing. He might have oh. been. I don't know. But um, yeah. he was, um, the bit at the beginning, he was really interested with the Memphis stuff. But um, mm. women's magazine interviews are tough ones because, well, they they have changed, but they used to be, you know, we want to know about his romantic life. We want to know about, you know, that kind yeah. of stuff. And people don't want to talk about that stuff. They want to talk no. about their projects. I, and I get that. and I And I always found that really hard to do. Um, yeah, he was all right, but he was obviously like, you know, hey girl, you're here with Justin Timberlake, you must think this. And I'm like, oh no, my husband's outside actually. He was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he was a bit thrown that I would rather be, you know, hanging out with my new husband than, than him. <laughs> yeah. What was Dan doing in the meantime? <laughs> um, just like lurking outside the Four Seasons Hotel, kind of. He, he had security guards come up to me, what are you doing? He's like, my wife's there to be Justin Timberlake. And they're like, yeah, right. <laughs> no, I think he was just wandering around, having a nice time. But um, yeah, I did run a bit late. <laughs> Poor Dan. I know. Poor. Yeah, I, I, that was also the year, the same year I interviewed Michael Stipe. And at the end of that year, this is, a, this is I always parrot this anecdote out, but it makes me laugh. I was at a Christmas drinks and Dan was with me and some, my husband and some friends. Um, and this, um, and obviously other journalists, and they said, oh, what's the best, what's the best thing that's happened to you this year? Um, I'm Steve Rages, what's the best thing? And I said, oh, I interviewed Michael Stipe two months ago. And Dan just nudges me and goes, we got married in April. <laughs> Before we let you go, there we'd, we, uh, we've got this Spotify playlist, right? <laughs> and cool. it's an eclectic old mix of things that we've asked everyone. Uh, everyone we've spoken to so far, if they could recommend anything new they're listening to, or not even anything new, something you just love to listen to, to share. Oh, oh, um, I would definitely say the new, uh, yeah, Held Down of the new Laura Marling album, which I've been playing continually for two months, although that's been all over the radio too, so that's not a massively new one. Um, um, I I listen to lots of, um, I listen to lots of sort of ambient music and stuff like that. Um, I, one, I was recommending my fav- one of my favourite ever albums to somebody else today, 
um, which is an album called The Golden Morning Breaks by Colleen, who is a okay. fr- French musician. She's called Cecile Schott, but um, Cecile Scott, but um, records under Colleen. This was her second album, I think. She's done lots of, she plays lots of old instruments, um, kind of um, like the viol de gamba and layers up mm. this with on music boxes. She's brilliant. I was just, um, oh. so great. One of the tracks I walked down the aisle to on my wedding day. Um, Brilliant. Um, yeah, so there's two. And also, um, the new Nadine Shah record is great. And I don't want it to get lost in lockdown craziness, but it's it's a really fun, post-punky, but sort of pop record, loads of horns. It's all about women getting older and kind of you know, the way people's opinions change of you and kind of it doesn't give a shit and it's brilliant and I love it and I really hope it gets everywhere because it's, it's fantastic. But there's there's been two or three singles off that already which you can find on Spotify. All right, yeah. There she is. There's Jude. There she goes. So many good stories. I love it. Mm. It was ideal. I mean, I love a gossip. So this was just like... I felt like I had to really restrain myself from asking, yeah, please tell me more. I want more. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I, there's a bit where you kind of go, um, please do tell. <laughs> when you're talking about people that um, she hadn't uh, had good interviews with. And, oh, yes. uh, I could I could hear her sort of go, like, okay, yeah, I'll just <laughs> It was really good. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, she was great. She wasn't backwards in coming forward about these things. I was very not, impressed. Not at it was all. great. No. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so thank you very much to Jude for giving up your time to us, yes. if you're listening. Uh, but yeah, thanks very much. And uh, thanks to everyone listening. And uh, that was great. Um, yeah. We're going to have more guests again, because that's what we do every <laughs> week. We have a, a different guest each week. Yeah. We're have more yet that's again. Format. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. good. It seems to be working, so we should definitely <laughs> stick with it. <laughs> yeah, we'll stick with it. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Well, um, maybe um, we could just chat about our week a little bit, Verity, just maybe. to have a catch up. I mean, that would be lovely. Has it been yeah. good for you? Uh, yeah. You know what? It actually, well, so last week, do you remember we were talking about this house thing? Yes. Put, put an offer in on a house. Well, we got the offer, accepted. Yes, that is a fantastic so news. That is so good. Hooray. That is really good, yeah. Oh, so congrats. that was really exciting. Um, so aside from... Yeah, go on. Does, does that mean now you are in the business of like paperwork hell or no? Yeah, well, we had we had a, a mad morning the other day where we did everything, um, all the paperwork. And uh, we just because we want to be really on top of it, because lo- last time we did it, we I don't know. There's so many links, isn't there? So mm. you don't want to be that one that's slowing it down. So no. we, we got on top of that. But um, but it was strange, though, after we got that offer accepted, which is obviously brilliant news. I just don't know. I, I sort of felt I had a, a tough couple of days just getting anything done, feeling yeah. motivated. And I, I don't know, I had a few sort of projects I had to get done and I was just putting them off. And yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just kind of, I don't know. And it took me until Thursday to be like, right, get everything done, <laughs> start, start working. And then I had like two really two or three really good days and oh well done turned my week turned my week around yeah but it was just weird it's the worst i mean i know i know people find it like have good days and bad days over mm. this 
this whole thing but um it was sort of a bit a bit weird and um yeah because you sort of build and build and build really, toward but... these things though it's no surprise like there's, there's so much going on for you with a baby on yeah. the way and a new house I know. and you build up and then all of a sudden something major happens it's like you just go woof and everything kind yeah. of <laughs> that's what <laughs> you i need think, a rest because um, we had the the well we thought the offer would be confirmed on monday it didn't get confirmed till tuesday Ugh. so monday was literally i was just checking my emails every five minutes oh no. so i think i think that was really bad for my brain because yeah, <laughs> i was yeah. just just full of nervous energy Could sounds not like my anything. relationship with twitter very bad for the oh, brain yeah. i've You've come really off embraced it a bit. twitter haven't you, oh, you've come well, off it, have you? yeah i mean the thing is no i, I mean i am on it but i've <laughs> i did embrace it wholeheartedly and i realized that a disproportionate amount of my day was spent scrolling through twitter and getting angry with people so i yeah. thought it's time to yeah. step away from that so yeah I, i've tried to limit myself to only a couple of times like one angry tweet a day is fine <laughs> well katie hopkins has left twitter now so that's Hurrah. Uh, that's a nice Thing. isn't it's a, bit it? of a nicer place yeah. yeah maybe we should get her on the podcast oh, does she, she play any musical instrument <laughs> i bet she'd be just lovely <laughs> i always get yeah. that feeling that she's a very warm human being don't you <laughs> <laughs> it's just the character she plays isn't a very yeah. nice one but but she's yeah. lovely actually real <laughs> yeah exactly she's a she's just a fantastic recorder player as well i gather so you know it's like um bill cooper the trumpet player yeah um he was telling me that um he's He's spent several, several like lunches with Piers Morgan. Ah, and yes. Apparently, he's really lovely. Well, there we go. Well, Piers Morgan, the Renaissance man of Twitter, he is somebody who's been like, you know, it's quite awful yeah. when you go. He oh, has sort of come oh back, yes, hasn't? Piers, I I do agree with that. I That's upsetting. Agree with you. What? <laughs> yeah. Oh, what's wrong? Yeah. <laughs> hey, I tell you something exciting though. Well, I think yeah. it is. Yeah. We have booked to go to a drive-through cinema in Nebworth to go and see Back to the wow. Future. Oh, oh wow! I'm so excited. It's Brilliant. like the closest thing to real life that I will have done in ages, and wow! <laughs> oh wow, that's going to be yeah. cool. Can't wait. Nebworth yes. and Back to the Future—that's brilliant combination. Uh, honestly so many good elements to this, and you know, as the boys are really chuffed about the fact that food is going to be brought to the car for us. Great. Yeah. Love that as well. <laughs> oh, wow. Brilliant. <laughs> yeah. Um, where is Nebworth? Well, is it, I thought it was miles away. Home counties or something. It, yeah, it's about oh, about an hour away from here. So right. north, an hour north from where we are. So okay. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I want to say Hartford so how, Way, but that's probably wrong. <laughs> right. Mm. Uh, how does it work then? Are they Because in the old days, in the 50s, didn't they used to send it on the uh, like FM radio? Or, oh, or that's a good AM point. radio or something. So it come through the, the car radio speakers. Yeah, there's some speakers thing. Just not quite sure. But they're, yeah, they definitely, they bring, are there big speakers parked up? I'm not quite maybe sure. Maybe they're just doing that. Yeah, PA. maybe. Yeah. I can't wait. Oh, that'd be great. Yeah. I love that film. It's such a perfect film. Me that. too. And I haven't seen it for years. So it's going to be great. Oh, excellent. Hurrah. <laughs> what else have you been up to this week then, Verity? Oh, what have I been doing? I've been, I've done a bit of practice, actually. I'm really pleased mm. to say. I did something, oh, I had good. to do some before we played Prokofiev the other day, that was for sure. Well, I, you know, I did like an hour beforehand. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it probably That's made good. a few differences. Was, if you were listening last week, we were, we were bigging up uh, Shoss 5. Yeah. As the one we were going to do. And then 
it got to the last minute and then we were like we, we literally cannot get the music for Shostakovich <laughs> 5 because it's still in copyright we yeah what a no, shame no other avenues came forward of no. methods of getting it so we went for the second place which was Prokofiev 5 yeah. and and that was really good it was yeah, quite well, fun actually didn't know at I, all. Um, I didn't know it at all no I yeah. didn't no it's great though I isn't it I've done it in an audition but right but um it was really fun just turning the page and literally not having a clue what was going to be there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And just, it's quite <laughs> funny because that, that's something we haven't, you do have to do that obviously sometimes. When yeah, I thought it was an long excellent mental workout, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. There's a bit at the end, the trumpet part at the end is ridiculous. Yeah. But, it's not, but if, if you know it's coming, then you know what to do. But I was playing it for the first time and you go, like, oh, right, I've got to do that now. <laughs> You've got to do like sudden three octave leaps. Um it was mad um yeah and so i actually went as soon as we finished i went back and tried to play it again i've got to play this (laughs) i'm gonna get it right play this right (laughs) yeah um but yeah that was really fun that oh it really was yeah yeah lovely some good really good stuff in there it's so good i'm I'm gonna check out some more of his symphonies Yeah. yeah yeah me too yeah but um aside from that i think i mean i've been on i've a little bit of socializing which has been nice um this and this and that i just went i've been down at the in-laws this afternoon which was great i tell you what my mother-in-law she can knock up a great spread at the last minute oh delicious so yeah that was that was nice talking sandwiches all kinds of things like many different breads many different meats oh a delicious beetroot dip (laughs) oh right i know i know such a joy (laughs) (laughs) have you been out socializing more yet or are you still Um, a little really yeah no we're just um we're sort of we're still basically lockdowning you know sort of isolating we just don't want to get ill at all no quite right i mean i have to say i'll put in a disclaimer it was at a good distance that i've been socializing definitely two meters plus but yeah yeah, but i totally understand you wouldn't want to get ill now not no. Not with the baby round the corner. <laughs> we've been doing NCT on Zoom, so we've been, oh, we've yeah. been making uh, new friends. Oh, uh, uh, brilliant. That was good. Hooray. And uh, yeah. Oh, we, um, Charlotte had a sort of surprise baby shower today. Oh, that did some she? Of her school friends threw for her. So that oh. was really lovely. And, and a guy came around called Adrian Garrett. Do you know him? Yes. What, the violinist? Vi- yeah. No way. He turned up and... Um, played some violin in our back garden oh my god that is amazing yeah oh it was uh it was really lovely he's um, great yeah he's great yeah i i hadn't met him before it was and charlotte's friend from school had booked it so then he turned up and i was like oh adrian and he's like yeah i'm i'm seb i'm i'm a music, I'm, I'm a play the trumpet <laughs> but i don't think we've met but I, I i haven't booked you it was really strange but um Aww. but then he was gonna do it on the front door he, so he, he does um like doorstep violin like um really? and he goes around hospitals as well and yeah and all that kind of thing but he's been going around during the lockdown playing to people for birthdays oh, and that's whatever. A, do and, you think um, he'd like to come and chat to us maybe maybe let's let's ask yeah. him we'll ask him okay yeah. There we go. We talked to him. He was a lovely guy. Well, he lovely. Came and he played some, um, played some ABBA. He played a bit of, um, a bit of Elton John. Oh. And uh, and then I said, do you know any Mendelssohn violin concerto? And he <laughs> did that. Oh my god! <laughs> it's really good. It's good. <laughs> I really thought, oh no, musicians! <laughs> I can't believe it. 
<laughs> I know. We really put him through his paces. <laughs> yeah, but, um, exactly. Did you sit down like a his... panel? <laughs> Judge yeah, that's right. We gave him some sight reading. and um, <laughs> Yeah. And your next excerpt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, then he went off on his bike and he was away. Oh, so, uh, good old Adrian Garrett. That's brilliant. Yeah, it was lovely. And uh, yeah, it was great for Charlotte. She got some presents and... Aww. It was nice, yeah. So we, we need Good. to just, we're going to sort out the, the baby room today yeah. and uh, make it all nice. And then we're pretty much ready with about four weeks to go. Woohoo, that is great. That's it. Yeah, hooray. Yeah. Oh. Well, um, I shall, uh, I shan't keep you any longer then. I shall let you go back to your decorating. And <laughs> Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, great. Well, um, thank you for listening, guys, all the way to the end and um or, or maybe you've just fallen asleep and uh in which case uh, wake up hands. um um i don't know if people do listen to this falling asleep but i imagine it's quite a good um a good method yeah very soothing surely yeah yeah hmm. <laughs> that's right um i would recommend this time of the year going down to a lower tog duvet it's gonna get warm yes yes i think that is very wise words <laughs> yeah, wise work. It's midsummer now. It's the it's the most daylight of uh, the year. Yeah, as as, they, as it that's how it works. Yeah, we um, watched the solstice last night. Well, a bit of it. It's from Stonehenge. Oh, you know, yeah. they got it on. Um, English Heritage had put it on. You could watch it. Oh, nice. The sunset. Yeah, it was nice. I. <laughs> Robert put it on and turned the volume off. So it was a little bit like watching paint dry, but sorry, that probably makes me a complete heathen. <laughs> oh, didn't um, didn't Rob go and do something? Yes, he did. The day before? Was yeah. it yesterday morning? That's right. Four o'clock in the morning. He went up to Wanstead, I think well, it was part of Wanstead Park. I can't remember. Wanstead Heath, I think they call it. And he played a, a part of a bark partita in the on the Wanstead Flats. It was very lovely. And oh, wow. with the sun coming up in the background. Yeah. Very beautiful. It's online oh, if you lovely. fancy taking a look on the Stilo page. Yeah. It's very, oh, yeah. very beautiful. Ooh, check, check it out. Yeah. yeah. Brilliant. Well, um, uh, no, I'm going to let everyone go now. Yeah, shall we? And you. Thanks. And, and you. Uh, yeah. Me. Me too. <laughs> yeah. Um, so have a great week, everyone. Um, and see you next Monday for another episode of Three in a Bar. Bye. Okay, so bye. <laughs>it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.